When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, Bills Mafia? Happy Sunday night, as we are 11 days away from the NFL draft. Just 11 days, Cole Beasley days away from the NFL draft. Coming live from Kansas City. And man, I I cannot believe that it is just coming here with vengeance as it does every year. How it just creeps up on us just like that out of nowhere. And boom, it's draft time. It's been 80 degrees and sunny here. The flowers are popping. The trees are blooming. And we're going to have some NFL draft coverage coming your way. And before you know it, we're going to be into May and then June. And then it's going to be that try spell and then training camp. But don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. We are here to talk about the NFL draft tonight. And, man, we got a big show planned for you. Um, first of all, I want to say... Huge shout out to Sons of Erie as they are the official sponsor of tonight's show. So if you're unfamiliar with Sons of Erie, they are a clothing and art company. Check them out on Instagram, Sons of Erie. And the owner of the company, Jeff Brady, will be joining me in about a half hour or so to talk about the bills and what they've done so far this offseason and what's to come and what we expect they are going to do in just a week and a half here. So. Jeff will be joining me in about a half hour, and Bryce Martino will be joining me as well, as he wrote a couple articles this week talking about some offensive lineman prospects and defensive lineman prospects. So, again, I will be setting everything up. Jeff will come on. Bryce will in to close things out. Hopefully, this doesn't buffer. I see we got a little bit of a buffering going on here. Uh, Had some storms passing through western New York here tonight, so I hope that doesn't make things too... uh, laggy on our end but what are you going to do about mother nature before we get into uh nfl talk here yeah i see someone (laughs) the temperature is dropping rapidly yes i agree just got a thunderstorm here in south buffalo that's what chris says hey you want to be a sponsor too adam hit me up uh my twitter as you can see is at kevin syracuse so if you have a company or a business and you want to sponsor, please let me know. And we would love to have you sponsor the BF Writers Club. But before we get into football here, I got to tell you guys, I, I started talking about this last week and I have to talk about it tonight because I went to Cleveland last night for the Knicks-Cavs game one. And man, that was probably the best basketball game I've ever been to. Kind of a last second decision, drove down the 90 and. The Knicks won 101 to 97 back and forth all game. 
And there's something about playoff basketball. It's just got those different vibe. And you can say that for any sport. But the thing that I love about playoff basketball is that you're all enclosed in one arena. Like playoff football is great, right? I love going to playoff Bills games. And as fun as it is to be with 70,000, probably not too sober fans, (laughs) the thing that I love about NBA playoffs or NHL, and I think this is the other reason why I was in my fields last night is because I was thinking about the Sabres and how they're hopefully going to be there for the next decade. But what they did at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse was they gave every single person a Cavs playoff white t-shirt, and then they also gave out towels, the rally towel. So that's what they do during the playoffs. And everyone has the same shirt, so you can be in unison and wave your towels. I waved it as a Knicks fan. I had my Julius Randle jersey on, so I was outnumbered, but they couldn't talk their talk this time because they did that last time. I went to the Yankees-Guardians playoff game, and I got heckled bad. Like, I was a target to the point where I had to, like, beeline out of there and just head straight home. But this time, they had nothing to say. And I actually saw a Bills fan, and um, he was giving it – actually, no, he he was being nice, but another Knicks fan was giving it to the Cavs fans. And I was like, I'm not doing this. I, I got involved last time for the Yankees game. I'm not doing anything here. You know, there's six games left potentially. But, uh, you know, it, it was definitely a good time. I did meet that Bills fan. So we shared some uh, Bills Mafia slash Knicks fandom here. But, yeah, there's just something – that's so powerful about having 20,000 people in an arena all screaming on their feet in that enclosed environment, all wearing the same colors. And man, it was just, it was awesome. And Jalen Brunson, what, what else can you say about that guy? Just, man, I am so happy the Knicks signed him. Josh Hart, great acquisition. Julius Randle, it's going to be a great series. And then we went to a couple of outdoor bars. The weather was great. And the Kings and Warriors were on the big screen TV out there. That's going to be a great series. I think I just saw Miami won. They beat the Bucs without Giannis, who got hurt. And, yeah, the, the NBA playoffs are great. That's going to give us something to watch here. Sabres just a little bit short this year. But hopefully, like I said, they are going to be there for years to come. All right. That's, that's enough about the NBA because we are here to talk about football and, obviously, the Buffalo Bills. So I wrote an article this past week, a couple of days ago, about positions and players the Bills could target in each round. Because for as much as we talk about the draft and Brandon Bean being big baller Bean and making all these sexy picks, we have to be real realistic and say, okay, he's not going to get every single player on our wish list. Every single guy on, on the board He's not going to be able to just have a home run pick every time. And maybe they turn into home run picks like a Matt Milano, but someone like Matt Milano wasn't on a lot of people's boards back in 2017, and he turned into a home run pick. So that's what you're hoping for here. Guys that maybe Brandon Bean gets on base, he hits a single or a double, but then they turn that into a home run in years to come. So that's basically how I started the article, and I was just saying I I don't want us to you know, be naive here and think that he can just do whatever he wants in any GM for that matter, where you're going to walk into the draft and have all these sexy picks because not every player is going to be that flashy fan favorite pick. And there's probably going to be a lot of guys that we haven't heard of before. So um, that's, that's why we're here tonight. We are trying to inform you guys about some players that maybe you don't know about, and maybe the bills are thinking about drafting. 
because Brandon Bean loves to make those three picks become a success. He loves any GM loves the day one and day two picks, right? But I think that's where Brandon Bean really makes his money is on Saturday when he drafts guys like Gabe Davis or Khalil Shakir or just all these guys that I've talked in the past about how a lot of these guys are just used for depth and competition and camp bodies. But there are also a lot of guys that are like that Matt Milano or Khalil Shakir, who they're a fifth round pick, but they play like they should have been a first or a second round pick because Matt Milano is one of the best linebackers in the league here. So that being said, I want to talk about different positions and players in each round here because I, I think it's very interesting what we're looking at this year in the draft because I, I alluded to this last week how the Bills really didn't have a lot of needs last year other than getting that cornerback to opposite Trey White. And then after that, it was just, hey, however the board falls, best player available, we're going to take it. But as I've been saying right along here on this show, the Bills have, I would say, six positions of need and they have six draft picks right now. So Brandon Bean really has his work cut out for him because if he has the same positions that I do, I'm looking at a middle linebacker, wide receiver, tight end, offensive tackle, defensive tackle, and defensive end. And we're going to get to this in a little bit. Defensive end is not as pressing now because Shaq Lawson did resign this past week, which is funny because it seems like Brandon Bean always signs these guys the day after we talk about them. So who knows? Maybe he's watching the BF Writers Club. But yeah, Shaq Lawson re-signed last week. So getting a defensive end is not as much of a priority. But I think, as you will see coming up, they could definitely still draft a defensive end. Regardless, I would say at least five, if not six positions that the Bills are going to have to target here. So let's start with linebacker. Now, I say round one, but this could really be round two. Because as we've been talking about, the three main linebackers who are on a lot of people's boards are Jack Campbell from Iowa, Drew Sanders from Arkansas, and Trenton Simpson from Clemson. Now, these are the three linebackers that I think make the most sense for the Bills. And I talked about Jack Campbell for a long time last week, and I gave my reasons as to why I think that he is such a fit for this Bills defense. If you want to check that out, it was episode six. You can go back and watch. Um, I don't want to clog up too much time talking about that again. But the thing that I'll say about Campbell is that he seems like that McDermott guy where he is that big Mike run stuffing linebacker. But as I mentioned last week, the thing about Campbell is that he might not have those traits and that athleticism and those measurables that really pop off the charts. But he is so instinctual. He is so intelligent that he knows where to be. He has a nose for the football and he can make up for it where he might not be the fastest guy in coverage, but just because he knows which angles to take and where the ball is going to be, that's what makes him such an intriguing prospect. And I find it really interesting that a lot of analysts are saying that he could slip down to the third round and someone like Trenton Simpson could be a top 20 pick. We don't know because we're trying to spitball as much as we can here. And every year there is those, there are the surprise picks where, it's like, wow, I, I really didn't think he was going to be a first-round pick, or how did this guy drop to the fourth round? So all these guys have been trending between rounds one, two, and three, but that sweet spot is round two for them. 
So that's why I think no matter who they get, I think that if you trade back, that'd work best. And and I mentioned a trade last week involving the Seattle Seahawks, and I will get to that later on because I finished the article where I, I brought that to light. And I think you'll start to understand why you would want to trade back if you're the Bills, other than just not potentially reaching for Jack Campbell. Because as you will see how the board falls throughout this article, it makes sense in more ways than one why you'd want to trade back. So the last thing I'll say about those three linebackers is Campbell seems like the McDermott guy. And if they go with Drew Sanders or Trenton Simpson, I'm going to have some questions about what McDermott plans on doing with this defense. Because those guys are more of those athletic coverage linebackers where Drew Sanders is a converted edge rusher and Trenton Simpson is at Swiss Army Knife. They're comparing him to Jeremiah Wusakoromoa, or I kind of see him as like that Micah Parsons. He's been playing safety, linebacker, defensive line. You can line him up all over. So if they draft one of those two guys, yeah, they might be a great pick. They might turn out to be a home run for Brandon Bean. But we're going to have some very interesting discussions about what they plan on doing with this defense. So I'm going to leave it at that because I think uh, when Jeff comes on, we'll get into a little bit more about what specifics the bills can do with their defense coming up here. But that's how I see it. Whether it's round one or round two, personally, I'm a round two guy for these linebackers, but I think the first pick, the first player that's going to be selected by the bills is going to be a linebacker. Moving on to rounds two and three. I think this is a sweet spot to get a defensive tackle and a wide receiver. These are two other positions that we've talked about a lot. And I think it's very, very important that the bills get both. I think wide receiver is more of a pressing need right now than a defensive tackle. The bills have eight defensive tackles under contract, so they're fine for this year, but moving forward, they don't have any of them signed past 2023. So you definitely want to get someone in the pipeline as some of these guys like Daquan Jones, he is getting a little bit older. You don't know if you're going to be able to re-sign Ed Oliver. Tim Settle, he had a down year last year. Are you really going to want him back? So I think it makes sense to get a defensive tackle. Wide receiver, the Bills have five that you can pencil in on the depth chart. They did sign two or three to reserve slash futures contracts, but those are more camp bodies right now, and I don't want to just insert them into the depth chart. So they really have five wide receivers, and there is a glaring hole right there for that six wide out. So I think that you have to get a wide receiver. And as I've mentioned throughout the last few weeks here, Brandon Bean has not drafted a wide receiver before day three since 2017. And really, that wasn't even Brandon Bean's draft. That was Doug Whaley and Sean McDermott. So the Buffalo Bills as a whole haven't taken a wide receiver before Saturday since 2017 when they took Zay Jones in the second round. And I think that has to end this year for the reasons that I just mentioned, coupled with the fact that we don't know what's going to happen with Gabe Davis and his contract. You want to get Josh Allen as many weapons as you can. So I think wide receiver is definitely going to be a priority. But now the question is, what is the value here? Because originally I was a big Cedric Tillman guy, and I am still. I think he is a very intriguing prospect. Same with Rasheed Rice, a guy that's been climbing the charts here. But I just talked about defensive tackle, and I think there might be more value in drafting a defensive tackle in a round two 
as opposed to round three, and then vice versa with wide receiver, where I think you could find some good value in round three as opposed to round two. That's not to say anything about Cedric Tillman or Rasheed Rice because the Bills might really like those guys. But looking at these defensive tackles, Mozzie Smith, Keanu Benton, and Siaka Ika, those are the three that are on my boards here. And I've seen some mocks that have Mozzie Smith going in the first round and somewhere Ika gets taken in the third round. Personally, I will admit, I originally had him going in the third round, but I think he is more of that second round talent now, especially as more mocks come out. So, yeah, I, I think round two could be this sweet spot. And these guys right here, they might not be the most, uh, you know, they're not necessarily going to get after the quarterback, but they are some of the best run stuffing nose tackles in this draft class. And I think if you wait and say, well, you know what, let's take Cedric Tillman. We'll just find a defensive tackle in round three. Then I think they might be gone. Now, these three guys, like I said, they, they might not get after the quarterback and have a lot of sacks. The three of them combined for 14 career sacks. But the thing about these guys is, like I just said, they're those run stuffing nose tackles who can clog those lanes and free up the lanes for the linebacker. And something that I've been talking about a lot over the last few weeks is matching Siaka Ika with Jack Campbell, because that is essentially what the Bills tried doing with Star Latulale and Tremaine Edmonds, where Latulale was supposed to be that big body to clog up the middle. He takes on all those extra blockers, and that frees up Tremaine Edmonds. Star Latulale was a liability. And that signing never really panned out. Tremaine Edmonds never got that big nose tackle in front of him. He did this year with Daquan Jones, but obviously Tremaine Edmonds is in Chicago now. And, and uh, Daquan Jones is getting up there in age. Like I said, he's a free agent following this season. The Bills haven't extended him yet. I would personally be down for a Daquan Jones extension. But regardless, if you can get these two guys in the pipeline, I think that would be a dynamic duo where you can get Jack Campbell with your first pick and then you get that big run stuffing defensive tackle with your second pick, whether that's Siaka Ika, maybe Mozzie Smith does drop down to 59 or if they really like Keanu Benton. But again, these guys know how to clog those lanes. And even though they might not have all the sacks on their pedigree, they have uncommon athleticism for their size and raw strength. So I think that teams are going to want to tap into that potential and say, hey, I know you only had X amount of sacks during your college career, but we think given the right environment and the right coaching and development, we're going to turn you into a stud. So I think round two could be that spot for a defensive tackle. Now, here's the thing. Talking about the value, I think there could be some good value in round three for these wide receivers and three guys that I like here are Jaden Reed, Jonathan Mingo and AT Perry. AT Perry might be a stretch because I'm not sure if he has worked his way up to a third round talent yet. He could still be more of a Saturday pick, but regardless, I think these three guys can definitely fill that mold of being those third round picks that Again, I want the Bills to draft a wide receiver early, but I don't want them to have to reach and say, well, we haven't drafted a wide receiver in round two since Zay Jones, so we should probably do it regardless. Just 
to make the fan base happy. That's not how the Bills operate. So, again, if they really find that value with the defensive tackle in round two, then round three could be that value spot for a wide receiver. And Jaden Reed is a versatile wide receiver who can line up from many different positions, and he has run after the catch abilities. The rack is what the Bills love. And standing at 5'11", 187 pounds, I've seen a lot of people and analysts comparing him to Stephon Diggs. So as much as we're talking about finding a Gabe Davis replacement, maybe we should talk more about finding a Stephon Diggs 2.0. And there's only one Stephon Diggs, but if you can find another one who is like him, then by all means, go for it. Now, Jonathan Mingo and A.T. Perry are both very, very interesting because they both have a ton of upside and they have been rising the charts lately. They have a ton of size and playmaking abilities. Mingo is 6'2", 225 pounds. Perry is 6'4", a little over 200 pounds. And Perry is described as a possession receiver and a red zone threat, while Mingo is more of that rack receiver, someone who you want to get the ball out to in space. And when I first thought about that, I was like, okay, I, I would really love this, but is Ken Dorsey going to know how to use him? And my first answer was no. But then I was like, well, maybe he just didn't have the personnel equipped to do it last year. And maybe if you get a guy like Mingo, who has that size and versatility, maybe a guy like Jonathan Mingo can make Ken Dorsey a better offensive coordinator. So that's kind of how I'm leaning now where I was wide receiver first, then defensive tackle. And the more I look into it, I think there might be more value flip-flopping. But either way, I think those two positions are interchangeable. So with my first three picks, no matter the order, I'm getting a linebacker, defensive tackle, and a wide receiver. Now here's where it gets interesting because as of right now, the Bills have three picks in rounds four through six. And according to my board, those are the three needs right there. A tight end, offensive line, defensive line, specifically, excuse me, a right tackle and a defensive end. So starting with tight end, because I think I don't want to say this is the biggest need because I think you could make a strong case that a right tackle is just as big of a need, if not bigger, but in terms of the value, then I think tight end is the position to target here in round four because the guy that I really like for this is Luke Schoonmaker out of Michigan. So the Bills have acted like they've wanted to run a lot of two tight end sets for years now, going back to guys like Tyler Croft, Jacob Hollister, OJ Howard, Quentin Morris, Tommy Sweeney, but they just haven't for whatever reason. And again, going back to Ken Dorsey, it's like, well, he didn't even know how to use Dawson Knox. So how are you going to use two tight ends now if you can't even use one? But this is what I love about Schoonmaker. He is a blocking first tight end. They are describing him, at least on the draft network. He is quoted by saying, uh, I believe it was Kyle Krabs or Joe Marino. They have a quote here that says, he is a willing and effective blocker in the run game whose best trait is blocking. So he projects to be a fourth round pick. And I think right now the Bills are picking 130. That could be that sweet spot where you go get your tight end too, and you match him with Dawson Knox because the best way to compliment someone is by getting another player who does the exact opposite. You want to get someone who has the exact opposite skill set. We talked about that with the running backs, how the best way to compliment James Cook and Naeem Hines 
Hines is getting to him Harris. Well, the same can be said for a tight end where if Dawson Knox is pass catching to block, that's why the schoonmaker makes Now, I just meant I think that is another big position of need because the Bills have only signed David Questenberry in free agency. So between him and Spencer Brown, I think you're going to need some more bodies there and definitely some more competition. And two of my favorites here are Nick Saldaveri and Tyler Steen. Steen is from Alabama. Nick Saldaveri is from Old Dominion. Um, so Saldaveri is a swing offensive lineman who can play all five positions. And he is one of those guys. He comes from a smaller school. So he's going to be playing with a chip on his shoulder. And those two reasons alone immediately scream Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean to me. Tyler Steen is a swing tackle from Alabama. And most of his experience came at left tackle. So that's the only thing about Steen is that he's mainly been a left tackle, but he does have experience on both sides. However, these two are projected to be late day two slash early day three picks. And with finding that blocking tight end, it might be hard to try to finagle all this and get these guys. So if they are gone, Carter Warren is another great swing tackle out of pit who I really like. They might be able to get him in these mid to late rounds. And Warren McClendon is a solid right tackle. He helped Georgia win the national championship last season. And he did not allow a sack along with the rest of the tackles on that team. So he should be available later on day three. And I mentioned defensive end. Again, it's not as pressing of a need right now because the Bills signed Shaq Lawson. So right now you have Shaq and Greg Rousseau running it back along with Boogie Basham and A.J. Epinesa holding the fort down until Von Miller comes back. The Bills also have Kingsley Jonathan. So assuming everyone's healthy, they have six defensive ends right now. But A.J. Epinesa is going to be a free agent after this season, along with Shaq Lawson. And Von Miller recently turned 34 years old. So I think this is another position where the Bills are going to want to look to draft. And I think that by re-signing Shaq Lawson, that diminishes the immediate need where I think a lot of us were starting to get a little bit worried when you're seeing some mock drafts come out and say, wait a sec, could the Bills really take another defensive end with their first round pick again? or just early on in the draft, another second-round defensive end. So I think by signing Shaq, that shows that maybe it still happens, but I think it's more unlikely now. So I see this as a day three position that they could go after. And four guys that I like here, Isaiah McGuire from Missouri, Carl Brooks from Bowling Green, Thomas Incombe from Central Michigan, and Jose Ramirez from Eastern Michigan. So three out of those four guys are Mac players. And again, they're going to be playing with those chips on their shoulders. And I think those could be some sneaky additions. But I think Isaiah McGuire is also sneaky in his own right because he is very underrated, according to a lot of analysts. And I think he's starting to rise the charts here a little bit. So maybe the Bills might not be able to get him because I'm seeing some mocks where he could be gone in round three, round four. But the thing that I like about McGuire is that they're comparing him to Shaq Lawson and he plays with a lot of strength and he is more for the run game, but he also can get after the quarterback too. So there, he has a combination of physical traits, flexibility, power, and a relentless motor that make him an intriguing prospect. 
And like I said, he succeeds at defending the run and the pass, something that the Bills will be looking for because I don't think it's healthy to say, let's go get a guy who can just stop the run or just get after the quarterback. You want to get someone who can do both. So Carl Brooks is another high effort player. He flashes on the stat sheet and he is best as a pass rusher. So as much as I just said, you want, you don't want to get someone who's one dimensional. He is a little bit more one dimensional, but when you look at his stats, maybe it's really not as one dimensional as, as you might think, because in 49 games at Bowling Green, he compiled 167 tackles, 46 tackles for loss and 27 and a half sacks. Now, the other two guys that I mentioned, Thomas Incum and Jose Ramirez, Incum played two years of D2 football at Valdosta State, I believe, and then he transferred over to Central Michigan, and in 24 games there, he only started two games as a junior, and then he... over 36 Eastern Michigan. So now when you look at it this way, this is why I, I really think that the Bills should trade back. And I'm going back to my trade with Seattle. Now, last week I proposed this trade where the Bills would send pick number 27 to Seattle for a second, third round pick and a fifth round pick. But for what it's worth, I put it through on Pro Football Network and they declined the third round pick, so I put the fourth round pick on there. Because I think in terms of my article, it makes sense here that you'd want to get that fourth round pick. So here's a trade that I have proposed to Seattle where you would give them the 27th pick. They would have three first round picks thanks to Russell Wilson, and they still have eight picks left in the draft. So it's not like you'd be killing all of their, their late round draft picks. They would still have a lot, and now the Bills would have eight total picks as well. And by getting that second-round pick, that is obviously for Jack Campbell, maybe Drew Sanders or Trenton Simpson, but either way, that's for that linebacker. And by getting an extra fourth-round pick and an extra fifth-round pick, that gives you more flexibility to get one of those guys that I talked about, where if you like Luke Schoonmaker at one, uh, excuse me, if you like Luke Schoonmaker at 130, Maybe at 123 is where you could get Nick Saldaveri or you can get Tyler Steen to help build up that offensive line. And then with that extra fifth round pick, maybe they like Thomas Incombe there or maybe Isaiah McGuire falls a little bit and they can get a defensive end with that extra pick. Or another reason why I like this is they could potentially draft someone like an Andrew Voorhees, an offensive guard from USC. He tore his ACL. He was projected to be a second round pick, one of the best guards coming out of the draft. But now, obviously, his stock is falling due to that injury. And the reason why I like doing something like this so much is you're building your line for next year. You're building for the future where, yeah, the Bills signed Connor McGovern. And between him and Ryan Bates, they're going to be under contract for the next three years. But when you look at the depth behind them, you have Ike Butker on a one-year deal. They also signed... Well, they, yeah, they re-signed Ike Butker to that one-year deal. They signed David Edwards to a one-year deal. And recently, they just signed Kevin Jarvis to a one-year deal. So following this year, they have a bunch of free agents. And I've talked about this 
over the last few weeks here, how the Bills have been patching their offensive line to the point where it doesn't seem like they're going to draft an interior offensive lineman. But I think the best of both worlds here could be getting someone like Andrew Voorhees, who he's not going to play this year, but you get him up to speed and get him ready for next season. And I think that could be a home run of a pick if you can make a trade like this. So that is pretty much how I I ended the article. And I'm going to put that in the comments here. I see we have a ton of comments. I'm going to try to get to these here. Um, But I'm going to drop this article in here so you guys can read along with it. And in a couple minutes here, I'm going to bring Jeff Brady on from Sons of Erie. Again, want to thank him for sponsoring our show here tonight. Got this really nice sweatshirt. Let me get this banner off here. We'll get the trade proposal off so you guys can see this. But I love the sweatshirt, man. It's uh, very comfortable. It fits well. Looks good, I think. So, nah, I, I can say it looks good. I, I, can, I can be a little bit cocky about that, I guess. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so let me let me drop this article in here. And you guys can read that. Is it in there? Okay, I might have sent it twice, but there you go. Okay, um, Jeff, let me know when you're ready. Give me a thumbs up, and we'll get you on here, and I'm going to get caught up with the rest of the comments. All right, Jeff is ready to go. It is 9.10 Eastern time here. Once again, Bryce Martino will be joining us in a little bit. So with that, happy to have Jeffrey Brady here. What's Jeff, on, guy? thanks for coming on, and thanks again for sponsoring the show. You, you begged me in, you know, enough many times as I could so it's got hard to say no after the eighth time <laughs> I know I'm such a pest uh I gotta say man good show so far I loved the opening monologue uh it, it, it was awesome you, you hit on a lot of things that I think we do well on draft day I know uh I loved your point about the patchwork that's fantastic but I think one of the things that we need to talk about with the draft is that we shouldn't be too uncertain about what Brandon Bean is going to try and do uh we have a pretty large body of work of 10, how he drafts. We know he's not scared of the small school guy, i.e. Christian Benford, Villanova, Spencer Brown, Iowa, even during a COVID year, Tyler Bass, Georgia Southern. Definitely not scared of the small school guy at all, which I think is, is truly a testament that of, of people in that, uh, in that scouting department. They're, they're putting on a lot of hours, a lot of years, whether it be background checks, whether it be, you know, especially during a COVID year, uh, schematically, how does their college game fit in the NFL? Uh, because uh, I thought it was a brilliant uh, interview, not to plug a different podcast, but um, Busting with the Boys. They had uh, Derrick Henry on there, and they asked to draw any parallels or correlation from the speed of the college game to the NFL. And he was like, dog, there ain't no correlation whatsoever. And I thought that was interesting because there, there is a certain uh, valuation into how game-ready are some of these kids coming in. Look at A.J. Epinesa. I mean, he damn well needed to gain 50 pounds before they'd even, you know, give him a shot, which is interesting. But I think it's very well established uh, that Brandon Bean is going to trust his board, trust his scouts, trust his room. I think it's going to be best available, one available. And that could that could be evaluated a couple different ways. Best available, one available versus current needs on the roster. Okay. You know, if they have a, the needs on the roster, just the way Eric Washington quotes, we're going to need a lot of bodies for the rotational defense events. Uh, or defensive line, especially in the interior we run. Uh, best available, when available, versus development. Once again, A.J. Epinesa. You need to develop a guy, develop into a role. Best available, when available, Josh. 
versus development. How quickly can we develop this guy into the player we think he can be and uh, achieve the upside our scouts think he has? Best available, when available, versus the, our depth chart. Um, obviously, like you said before, we're going to have to plug in some people when we lose, uh, you know, uh, Tremaine yeah, Edmonds, when, when, we, when we eventually lose Vaughn. Um, when we have to start paying guys versus, versus the cap. So that's best available when available, you know, uh, that's versus the depth chart. And uh, best available when available versus weighted utility. Um, when I say weighted utility, I mean just because he's the number one kicker <laughs> across everyone's board, you, you got to weight that position. Even though they might score the most points kickers, it's a weighted position. Do you, do you take the third guard available or the best kicker? So I think those three points or four points is beans very well on the record. Best available when available versus need. Best available when available versus development versus depth and and uh, weighted utility. Now, me being a small school alum, small school football player, Veldosta State, dude, Veldosta, come on, man. I, I got to hold you accountable at least for that one. Okay? Just as a small school guy. I appreciate it. I, I, I didn't uh, know. Yeah. That was the first time I heard of it. Where is Veldosta State? Hey, 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 hey. I don't know that. I think it's in Indianapolis, maybe. Or am I thinking Valparaiso? Okay. Okay. Valparaiso, anyway. really? I got, I got cousins that live in Valparaiso. I feel like we're getting off topic. Anyway, uh, <laughs> anyway, another draft dude. Let's let's start with linebackers, okay? Jack, yeah, uh, yeah. you love Jack, right? I've, yeah. Are you I've a Jack Campbell the, guy? I do. I, I love the Iowa game. I, I I mean, clearly we like Vanessa. Clearly we like Hyde. Very big Iowa guys, right? And Ike Bucker. But Ike Bucker. Exactly. But I do believe in, in the complicated scheme we could possibly play. And with uh, the, the precedent that Tremaine was, was, was setting the offensive front, coordinating our stunt games and all that, I believe the starting linebacker for the Buffalo Bills right now is already on the roster. I truly believe it's Dotson. So um, best available when available versus development is how quickly is Jack Campbell going to get to, uh, you know, get, get to a place where he can start making those calls, those adjustments, those line shifts. You know, um, so I do believe he's all, all that being said, Jack Campbell can move. Um, it's interesting that like you say patchwork before, um, because there is such a high correlation to that, you know, interior defensive tackle gobbling up some real estate and personnel. So our middle linebacker can run freely. Um, that's interesting that you mentioned that, but I think after the star Lutile, which you mentioned before conversation, it's hard to, it's hard to believe that the bills are going to are going to commit equity, whether in the free agency game or the drafting game um, on that position. I mean, we didn't pay Harrison Phillips at all. Harrison Phillips was allowed to walk. He's kind of lived up to his contract. I'll go to my grave saying that that fumble versus the Vikings was caused by him. So um, it, it does seem like we have a, a, a philosophical uh, consistency in both how we put together the offensive line and our defensive line. We love one-year contracts. We love veteran one-year contracts. Didn't seem like it worked out that well last year. I mean, we put one-year contracts together with, you know, Questenberry, uh, Daquan Jones, Jordan Phillips. Um, we put a lot of one-year contracts when it comes to paying the big guys. And it, it, the last big guy I think we truly played, and we did let Harrison walk, was uh, was Star. I embraced debate. Do you do you think Star left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths? I mean, he did take a year off with COVID. Um, I know Eric Washington, you know, he likes a high rotational thing. Big guy like that, it's hard to. 
do you think we have a bad taste in our mouth in terms of, and especially the way people have not liked Ed Oliver and his development, do you think we have a bad taste in our mouth in drafting? Big block interior one techs? Yeah, I think so. I think there's a worse taste from defensive ends because they have, I don't want to say failed, but there have been more defensive ends that have been drafted high, like Greg Rousseau, AJ Epinesa, Boogie Basham, where maybe they haven't lived up to expectations yet. And Rousseau is still growing, as are the other two. But I think when you see those back-to-back years, and it's like, oh, man, another second-round defensive end, where someone like Ed Oliver was a first-round pick, so that is very frustrating in itself to say, well, this guy hasn't lived up to the ninth overall pick. But when you have three guys on the defensive end position, I think that kind of outweighs the defensive tackle position. I mean, it's something to be considered. I mean, it's also something to be considered that we have a sneaky advantage that I think not a lot of people are talking about is we don't know what defense we're going to be next year. We do know McDermott has a penchant for trying to mess with people, trying to show one look and come out, you know, guns blazing in another. I mean, that's why I think uh, Rap was such a fantastic signing. Rap is fantastic in the robber style defense. I mean, he'll sit there, he'll show, they fall back at a cover two look. And with Rap and the robber, uh, if anybody converges outside, he's free to hit it. And if anybody crosses his face, that's his responsibility. So that's why Rap's awesome. And also he can bring it off the edge. Like, do we do we know if we're if we're gonna be a four three? Do we do we know if uh rap comes in and is complimentary to uh Teron Johnson with maybe if we, if we, if we can be a true dime? And, and maybe put Milano because he can cover so much fierce ground and he's so aggressive at the middle. I think one of the sneaky things is, and trying to be elusive about our need, own needs is because we don't truly know because we're you know behind the, the curtain of what defense is going to be our, our, our core base. I mean, we were so predictable in nickel personnel. Wouldn't you agree, Kev? Like t- nauseatingly predictable. Yeah, like New England ran. I don't even know how many plays in that win game in 2021, but Mac Jones threw three times and they were so persistent that they basically said, keep running on us. We're going to, we're not going to put a third linebacker out there. We know that we're having a hurricane right now and you guys are refusing to throw the ball. Well, we are refusing to put a third linebacker out there. And dog, it was like the same. Probably totally agree. And like one of the, one of the crazy things about uh, uh, Cincinnati is you see us in this like cover, it's like uh, cover two up top with like almost like a shell man under that everybody loves to talk about. Um, you, you see Jamar Chase because in, in the under, Teron Johnson is, is man because he's the one under. Is man. You see Jamar Chase just just going in motion and rocking down our defense, and then us running right them running right at Teron Johnson, and he's expected to set the edge of the defense because it's 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 uh, backer force there. We had no adjustment for that, and we refused to do that. Uh, we got suckered into that game because we were just so damn persistent with personnel and, and scheme. Um, but it is interesting that McDermott is calling the shots. Well, how do you feel about that? Well, I'm glad you brought that up because that's where I was going with this too. So tying this back into the banner on here with the round one linebacker, it seems like I'm more of a Jack Campbell fan than you are. But I want to ask you this because this is something that I've been talking about and I alluded to it during the monologue here where if the Bills draft Jack Campbell, then I think it's pretty evident that McDermott wants to run his style of defense. But if they draft someone like a Drew Sanders or Trenton Simpson, then I think more of these conversations that we're having are going to 
start to percolate here where if you take a Drew Sanders who is projected to be a middle linebacker, but he's coming off the edge and he's very raw, right? Like that's the other thing about Drew Sanders is how much do you want to let this guy develop? Because Jack Campbell could be ready to come in day one. Drew Sanders that's a tall has order, only had man. one year at playing the mic. So if we're in win now mode, do you really want to let him develop while this Super Bowl window is open? And then before I let you respond here, Trenton Simpson, if he's that Swiss Army knife, what does that say about the defense? Because I think for all the reasons that you just mentioned, if you draft Trenton Simpson, then I think McDermott plans on doing a whole lack of a whole heck of a lot of different things on defense when you draft a guy like Trenton Simpson and then you sign a third safety in Taylor Rapp. You still have guys like Terrell Bernard who are on the bench. And like you said, could we start to see more of a 4-3 where they take Taron Johnson off and say, okay, Trenton Simpson's going to play the mic for a little bit. And then we're going to have Terrell Bernard on the outside. Maybe we're going to switch these guys and Bernard. Maybe it'll be a, play inside. Maybe it'll be a pure and, four, three. Yeah. And I think this is something that we've talked about before where maybe the bills want to take a look at positionless football where they don't have that true necessary yeah. Mike linebacker and say, you know what? We have three guys who can get the job done. No matter what coverage or scheme we're running, it doesn't matter that we don't have to have, that 6'5", 250-pound Mike linebacker, we can go get a 235-pound Drew Sanders and just do so many different things on defense that is going to throw off the opposing offenses. Yeah, I mean, and that's I mean, that was even seen in, you know, the way Teddy Cottrell ran it. It was almost position as football with Biscuit, with Kelso, but also how much do you think uh, confidence and McDermott subscribes to trial by fire? Because you're not going to get two more knowledgeable, accurate, and positionally reliable play, players than Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer, backing up, setting your defense, and setting setting their coverage front. It's all something to think about. Now, let me ask you about defensive tackle. And before I let you get in here, I, I know we had a super chat from Whittle in here. And this is a guy that I didn't I mention. Love I love And I guy. didn't mention him. Whittle? Yeah, he's or my guy. Gervon Dexter. I love Silas Whittle too. And Whittle, I appreciate you um, chiming in here with this super chat. I did not mention Gervon Dexter. He is a second round pick based on his measurables. That's what Whittle's saying. And I agree. But when I was doing my scouting on him, do you know what the knock is on Gervon Dexter? I'm sure you're about to tell me unless you're asking Whittle. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell all of you guys and that he has effort concerns and he flashes Star, at Star Lutile. <laughs> and at Oliver, right? Like if you're trying to get an at Oliver replacement, do you really want to draft someone who takes plays off? And if he gets double teamed, sometimes he just says, eh, that's right. I'll just live to fight another day on the next down. Instead of saying, nah, like screw you guys. I'm going to push my way through this. So I agree with Whittle. He's the second round pick, but I'm not sure if I'm going to want to draft a guy like that. He doesn't scream process to me. So that's why I'm looking at Ika, Benton, or Mozzie Smith if he's, if he's there. How, how do you see the defensive tackle situation panning out, comparing it to the linebacker position and trying to tie this into each other? I see the defensive tackle as uh, Eric Washington's pretty reliant on that rotational front. Uh, I think one of the reasons that uh, just the defensive line in general, one of the reasons Vaughn was so damn productive when he was playing um, – you ask the guy to go 50% of the time, 100% of the time, that's a pretty manageable workload. Um, 
I do, I, I do have concerns uh, that we don't have uh, that we don't have the necessary support up front to make our middle linebackers job as as easy as possible. Um, I think there has to be some measurable amount of, of speed, uh, closing speed and east west ball that the next linebacker we plug into that system has. Because I do not think still, I, I feel like, you know, I, I'm saying this a little bit too much. I don't think we'll ever have a premier or, or, or a dominant one tech, uh, one tech interior guy. It's just like we, we, we are on paper of like, we do not value that position as strongly as we do paying other position sets. That's kind of where I'm at with that, man. Um, but I like to say it again, like, don't, don't, don't you, don't you, don't you feel like our starting middle linebacker is already on the roster, but do you feel like if we get Jack, he's plug and play? Or is it is it is it too too soon to call? I know it's a lot of hypotheticals, but I think if you had Jack Campbell, he's your starting middle linebacker day one. But you think it's Terrell Dodson? Yes, I do. That's interesting because I'm sure you saw this, but he tweeted his goodbyes at the end of the season. He said, "Thank you, Buffalo. It's been a great four so years." Did, so did didn't Rachel Bush? <laughs> yeah, true. But yeah, either way, I mean, Terrell Dodson's back. So I wonder what changed because going off of that analogy, you could have a point in saying maybe he's their middle linebacker where they say, you know what? We find more value in finding that one tech in the first round, or maybe there's a wide receiver that they really like. Yeah. I don't think so because there aren't too many wide receivers with first round grades. But I, I wrote an article a couple of weeks ago about how the Bills are setting themselves up to draft defense. And I've been preparing for a middle linebacker, but I mean, if they had the same thinking that you do, maybe that linebacker is already on the team. I mean, let's not forget they spent a third round draft pick on a linebacker last year and a seventh rounder in Bale Inspector and Terrell Bernard. And I'm, I'm not sure if it's public. So, is, I mean, is it, is it, is it, pu- is it public yet that we signed AJ Klein? I don't even know. Yeah, yeah, that too. That, it, um, it went public not, today. I mean, it's public, but it's not official. Sal Capaccio tweeted that as of tomorrow the bills are probably going to be re-signing aj klein so there's another linebacker so uh, do they really want to just run it back with those guys and say well you know we spent two draft picks on a linebacker last year maybe we shouldn't this year and go after a defensive tackle and before i let you get in here got another super chat from whittle he says three names of defensive tackle carl brooks broderick martin and jacqueline roy I mentioned Carl Brooks. I think he's more of an edge rusher. He might have that inside-outside versatility, which is very intriguing. I think those guys are more for day three. I think um, I think I think Brooks kind of fits your 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 characterism earlier. The he has kind of a little bit of uncommon athleticism. I love the way you put that before the uncommon athleticism and the utility, which you really wished you got more of out of Ed. But um, I wonder, like, how out are you on Ed? right now it depending on how we draft do you think if we draft heavy interior that's a clear cold like clear sign that we're getting rid of ed or do you think ed is a little bit more on the block in this draft like our chat kind of thinks there's a couple people in this chat that really think ed is uh ed's gonna be on the draft block he's gonna we're gonna be moving shaking with the big guy what do you think i think at this point i do not see a trade happening with that oliver i think at this point we're just gonna see the Bills keep him for his fifth year and say, you know what, ball out this year. We need 
you to have a great season. And if you price yourself out, then so be it, because we want to have another Super Bowl run this year. And if that means that you play so well that you want 15 million a year, that's fine. But just know you're not going to get it here. So I think that's where I'm at now, where we're kind of past the point of saying, well, the Bills really need to save $10.8 million in cap space. I think it's, at this point, it's like, you know what? Run it back. Let's hope Ed Oliver completely tears it up this year. You yeah. still want to draft that one because even if you resign that Oliver, you have seven other defensive tackles who will be free agents. And again, if he prices himself out or if he says, no, I'm not coming back unless I get 12 million a year, then if I'm Brandon Bean, I say, okay, well, thanks for everything, but you're going to have to look elsewhere for that. Now, where would you categorize uh, linebacker, defensive tackle, wide receiver need? What do you think one, two, three is? Because I know you just brought up that graphic right there. So, What's over? What's more important? Wide receiver or defensive tackle in your eyes right now? Well, going back to how I open up the show, I think it all comes yeah. down to value. So if they find the value in a wide receiver and say, you know what, we really like Cedric Tillman, if he's there at 59, let's take him. But sure. if they say, you know what, Siaka Ika could be a difference maker and he could be that one tech to put in front of a guy like Jack Campbell, then I think there'd be more value in getting that defensive tackle in round two and then you could still find valuable wide receivers in round three with the guys that I mentioned, like a Jaden Reed or a Jonathan Mingo. See, that's that's so the that's why that's why that playing out? that's that's why I depart from you, is that um, if if the presiding uh, resident sediment is uh, Jonathan Mingo is is valued in third and fourth round, and that's the residing sediment. Generally speaking, he's probably not going to be available in the third and fourth round because I haven't heard a huge knock about anyone and um these guys like you know when you get to these big boards and you mentioned trading back before if they have mingo and another guy that you know they're or they're both equal on and they know they can get them at a slot they'll trade back it's all i think more about the big board than we give being credit for in that room like if it's if they have two or three comparable players that they have i'm right sorry in front of them, you say it again yeah no problem at all what would you what was the last thing you hit Someone asked before if you paid your internet. Bill yeah, I'm okay. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was hysterical. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Send what me I, super what chat I was, what, so I can pay for more internet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not paying you anymore. Uh, so anyway, yeah, I did. <laughs> it's very bad sales pitch. So what I was saying before is Jonathan Mingle. A lot of people haven't slated for a third or fourth round. Nah, I didn't fall asleep. I'm wide awake, baby. <laughs> a lot of people have Mingle slated for a third or I'm fourth wide round awake. pick. And that's like kind of like the resounding sentiment across the board. He's a third or fourth round pick. But if everybody thinks he's a third or fourth round pick, I guarantee you he's not going to be there in the third or fourth round. You know, I haven't heard of a huge slight on. Well, at again, all. that's why that's why you that's why you have other guys on your radar like sure. Jaden Reed or maybe At Perry, where you don't want to hone in and say we are definitely going to pick Ika at fifty nine, and we are definitely going to pick jonathan mingo at 91 because like you said other teams could swoop in and take them or like last year when kansas city jumped us to get trent mcduffie that could happen again where they say oh the bills are taking a wide receiver round three let's trade up and steal jonathan mingo away from the bills so that's why you have other guys on your board and that's why i was saying based on the value of the round in general not the value of the specific player because i think there is value in third round in total, in general, here where you could sure, find multiple yeah. guys yeah. that, that could really potentially take over for Gabe Davis next year. And here's sure. the thing with Jonathan Mingo. Let me just say this real quick: 
where he has a lot of upside where, again, going back to what you said, if teams are starting to catch on and say, oh, this is more than a third or fourth round pick here, we could really tap into some of that potential. Well, if you draft him, let's say the Bills do get him at 91. You don't have to rush him in and say, okay, you're wide receiver two right now. You can say, no, you're wide receiver four. Gabe Davis is still wide receiver two, but we're going to ease you into the NFL here. And we're hoping that by the end of the season, you're going to be playing so well that we don't have to re-sign Gabe Davis because if he prices himself out, we have another wide receiver right in the pipeline here who can take over. Sure, absolutely. And I think uh, I think that's kind of like an interesting little uh, little sentiment there about uh, you know the needs, how we bring people back. So you kind of listed like how we uh, how we choose to kind of jump people and go up and uh, in the draft to get our guys. But what I was saying before, I think we cut out is the big board. If we have two or three guys and it's our turn to pick and we know we can get one of them and we have them equally validated based on what I think best available, what available. Um, I think that's a telltale sign that we're going to trade back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that could be a, uh, an option too. So I'm going to ask you now, how do you see those three positions? I mean, we talked about how linebacker might already be on the roster here, but what do you think is more important? Wide receiver, or defensive tackle, like put, put the value aside and put the players aside. But as of right now, what position do you think needs to be addressed more? Well, I, I think before I answer that, I would pose this question to you. Do you think it's more important to draft balanced football or do you think it's more important for best available when available? Or do you think it's more important to overcommit to one side of the ball and make it as dominant as possible? I think you want to be as balanced in this as draft. Okay. I think regardless, you just want to be balanced as possible. Now, I mean, you really could say you win with offense. So let's just go all in and get I mean, I think, I think, I think, I think the 2000 time. Ravens would disagree, but okay. I think last year's Ravens team would disagree too. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Tyler Huntley made the Pro Bowl, bro. <laughs> oh, my bad. I forgot. But yeah, I mean, I'm always trying to draft balance because I know a lot of people say, let's forget about the defense and go all in on the offense to help Josh Allen out. And I don't want to do that because I think it's so important that you have to build your defense up, but you just have to be smart about how you do it. Because like you said, best available, one available. And sometimes the best player available really isn't that pressing of a need. Like if the best player available is a quarterback, are you going to draft them? No. If the best player available is a punter, are you going to draft them? Last year you had the flexibility to do so, but, you re-sign Sam Martin, like you're not going to uh, draft a punter again this year. So I think there's, well, I think I think we've we've had our experience with drafting punters and it not working out well. Yeah, we don't need to talk about that anymore. So yeah, I mean, uh, based on those two positions, then which ones do you, which one do you say is a bigger need right now? I, I politely decline. I would I would say whoever at that point we have rated higher. Um, I would say that's who we should take. That's who we are as a team, as a draft room. I think that's who it is. What do I think we have a bigger need for? I think we're devoid of uh, of, a, of a standout playmaking defensive tackle. Do I think we're going to be able to draft him, develop him, and have him stand out this year? I think it's unfeasible. Boogie Basham is still trying to find his, his footing, so to speak. Ed Oliver – his performance is not commiserate with the draft equity we we 
burned to not burned. We committed to in taking him. I mean, if that, hey, I don't want to say I'm going to sneeze. Ooh. <laughs> pineapple. Get off. What's pineapple? <laughs> I don't know what pineapple is, but. <laughs> Um, it's supposed to take your brain off of it, so you uh, exactly you're like, wait, what's pineapple? And then you forget that you had to sneeze. Yeah, I, I guess so. But it didn't but, work. <laughs> no, it didn't. Um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm like kind of devoid of that answer. Like it'd be a personal feeling. I just think Bean's too much on record of he'll take the best on the board. He knows his needs, and it's you know he weighs against head four. Excuse me, sorry. <laughs> this is gonna continue. Okay, Kev, well, Kev, I'll jump in. Kevin Macera says wide receiver. So, yeah, I see Macera's in here. Uh, Whittle also comes in with the super chat and says nobody is talking about Michael Wilson, and he's right because I haven't mentioned his name and I really don't even know much about Michael Wilson. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But looking at his stats here, I mean, he's 6'2", 210 pounds, had 26 receptions for 418 yards and four touchdowns. And it looks like he is more of a fourth round value. So, I mean, that could be another position or another player that gets picked later on. And I guess kind of flipping the question now, for as much as I was just talking about defensive tackle and wide receiver, because I find the value there between round two and three. It seems like we're on differing opinions a little bit here. So do you see those positions maybe being addressed later on in the draft? And maybe my value doesn't match up with yours. And maybe for all I know, you could like a cornerback in round two or three or well, a tight end. Well, it's it's certainly, I think, certainly going to be harder for a defensive tackle just based on physicality um, to be ready to go, you know, week one. We, we've struggled with that ready to go. Uh, drafting defensive tackles. I mean, we've we've found a little bit of success with a uh, rookie and undersized wideouts in our in our Buffalo scheme. Um, you could say that like we have more able-bodied sub six two guys on this roster that have a greater propensity to get chances in our offense to catch the ball than we do, you know, with developing Epinesa Basham. Um, who, who who's the cat? Uh, sixty six uh, Ziegler. Remember that another small school guy that we found. Uh, that we found lurking around trying to get a shot. Um, uh, something's popping up right now and telling me that Michael Wilson is very injury prone. Um, that's a, that's another big thing. Is you, the, the Bills have uh, sometimes been criticized for quote unquote practicing too hard during the week. I know uh, Harrison always Harrison came back and said that uh, you know if he has a, a, a tough tough day you know or a tough week physically. 
he can t- he can take the bike, you know, he can he can take he can take a pool app, you know, he can take a lot of mental reps. Whereas I think Eric Washington wants everybody banging and clanging, or you don't play, you're not in that defensive line rotation. So um, I think it'd be a lot easier to have find a plug and play wide receiver than it would be to find a NFL ready defensive tackle in the late round. Say that last part again. You think it would be more valuable to find what? I think it would be much harder to find an NFL uh, physically uh, ready defensive tackle in the late rounds than it would be to find a, uh, somebody who can tr- contribute wide receiver on offense just based on the physicality of the game, the size of, and the, of which you need to bulk up to. And it's, I think it's a different game within the trenches, more so than it is you know, kind of blazing speed and, and, and a good systematic route tree. There's, there's two guys uh, that you uh, in your article mentioned. That's one of their knocks. They don't have uh, great route trees. Yeah, and that's another thing too. Like, if you're trying to improve upon running better route trees and hanging onto the ball, is Cedric Tillman or Rasheed Rice really the guy? I think they are both very promising, and they seem to be great prospects. But again, if you're trying to find a better version of Gabe Davis, who's younger and cheaper, maybe that's not necessarily Rasheed Rice or Cedric Tillman. And again, there's that value with a guy like Jonathan Mingo later on in the draft. Now, let me ask you this here. What kind of wide receiver do you want? Because that that comment brings me to this point here where I don't want another small, speedy wide receiver. I want a big-bodied wide receiver. So putting aside the, the round or the value here, just in general, are you under the same impression that the Bills need a big six two, six three, six four wide receiver who can go up and get those tough balls that Josh throws. You know, I, I'm still sour on a contested catch guy based on our experiment with Kelvin Benjamin. <laughs> so I don't know, man. I think we uh I think what you really want a contested catch guy, especially when he's a big body, is in in close spaces when you you know, because a big six four guy, unless you're DK Metcalf, it's gonna be hard to, you know. Get, get perimeter separation, you know, and stuff like that. Um, I think that kind of messes with, like, how we value Dawson Knox because at some point, like, he's a big contested catch guy. He's a big uh, – he's a big um, kind of uh, kind of mind-mouthing guy with, with Josh with the contested catch. Contested catch in our offense is a little bit different. It's when there has been an offensive breakdown and they kind of have to play a little bit of playground ball. I don't think I – don't, I don't see us – throwing too many too many fade routes to you know post corner um in the red zone i just haven't seen our offense geared that way so maybe maybe not man but i'm open to be convinced differently well that leads to another comment here from roy says big bodied wide receiver with the smirk emoji i don't really know how to describe that but you can see what the emoji is he says get another tight end so that's something that I talked about in round four. So, I mean, we might as well just move over to that now. Where are you at with the whole tight end situation? Maybe running some more two tight end sets. And- How much more can we run? <laughs> we are in 12 personnel, damn near, or Bobby Hart. <laughs> 12 personnel, a, a ton. Eight well, that, ton. that's the thing. I mean, they used Bobby Hart as that second tight end a lot last year. So I think... They quite you know, the second tight end. Yeah. And when, when I talked about all the tight ends that they've tried to use for tight end two, I really could have put Bobby Hart in there because I forget what percentage it was, but there was a large percentage of snaps that Bobby Hart lined up as tight end two. 
So I, I really think that this is a position that they are going to want to draft. And I saw a report on Twitter today that pretty much confirmed that, that the Bills are definitely looking in that direction. So do you agree, number one, and then number two, how would you agree with my assessment of Luke Schoonmaker? I think Luke Schoonmaker is exactly the type of guy that we would like. Um, you remember Dawson Knox. He's a walk-on at Ole Miss. Uh, he only pretty much had, you know, very limited touchdowns at Ole Miss. Um, he, he really, really, really the, – the Schoonmaker, I think, is brilliant on your behalf. And I, before I answer exclusively, what led you to Luke's uh, – led you to Schoonmaker? Because that's the exact guy I would take. Basically, I was just going through all these players and trying to find which one is the best blocker. And it seems like with all these guys, our man Tommy here says Tucker Craft. Yeah, like Tucker Craft seems great, but they're comparing him to a Dallas, Dallas Goddard where Donna. he's going to be more of that. <laughs> what? Donna, uh, I guess she thought I'd be more of a refined type. Uh, I appreciate the lumberjack if he was pre-diabetic and balding, but uh, thank you for the uh... <laughs> Oh. <laughs> I can tell you, sorry. That's... Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, but yeah, like with all these other tight ends here, like someone like a Tucker Craft or Zach Koontz, it seems like those guys have more of the physical traits and they have that raw athleticism where you can turn them into a Dallas Goddard and say, okay, they are strong enough to be used in the running game as blockers, but we really think that we can exploit the defense here with them going out for passes down the field. And as great that as that sounds, I don't want to do that because if Ken Dorsey struggled enough to figure out how to get Dawson Knox open, how is he going to get two tight ends to get open with passes? So that's I mean, why I think you have to make it as simple as possible and say Dawson Knox is going out for passes. Schoonmaker is staying back to block for him. Well, then what's the point of having Reggie Gillen? Well, that's a good question, too, but he was another guy that was underutilized. I mean, the, the Bills could really use him as a fullback and not necessarily the point where you're giving him the ball, but just if you line him up as a fullback and be a blocker for... I, you're breaking up a little bit, but something I'd add to the tight end game is that uh, some of the most prolific offenses we've seen out of the AFC have general mismatch opportunities at their starting tight end position. Rob Gronkowski, Travis Kelsey, right? Both kind of not power five, uh, maybe power five guy. Rob Gronkowski was found out of Arizona. Travis Kelsey out of Cincinnati. They're mismatch, mismatch nightmares, right? As someone uh, projected in the comment section. So isn't that something? Because Dawson Knox, you wouldn't, you know, necessarily quantify him as a mismatch nightmare. Kelsey, absolutely. You know, Gronk, all those Super Bowls, absolutely. Aaron Hernandez, you know, rest of people. I don't know. Why, why do bad things happen to good people? I don't know. But that was a joke. Uh, but um, also mismatch nightmare. So you can have, like, two dynamic tight ends. You don't, have to, you don't have to play the card that one has to block, one has to be a receiver. Especially, like, you know, in the heydays of that Hernandez-Gronkowski offense. I just think it's interesting, but also I'm, I'm not totally sure I see a prolific, absolute nightmare mismatch uh, prospect coming out of this draft. So maybe maybe you have some value in in the Schoonmaker. Yeah, yeah, I think I'm all in on Schoonmaker. Mayor from Notre Dame. Mayor from Notre Dame. Okay. Yeah, Michael Mayer. Now, okay, Good here's a question. Boy. Before I I, I want to finish up by talking about 
finding a right tackle and then a defensive end. I mean, we kind of already talked about the defensive line, but um, still got to get Bryce on here. But before we get into that, no, you're fine. Um, Before we get into that, I want to ask you, how would you feel about maybe taking a tight end round one? Like if Michael Mayer is there at 27, would you want to take him? Or Darnell Washington, for that matter? I don't know, man. I, I just don't. I don't. I don't think the tight end. Uh, the round one pick has to be ready to go right now, and they have to matter. I don't think we're a tight end away from advancing in this playoff, so I don't see it, bud. Yeah, I don't see it either because I think they would be great. Because here's the thing: if they do want to run two more of the two tight end sets, you could use Darnell Washington. Let's take him for example here. He can okay. be that big body. You can use him as that extra blocker. He can be used for chipping, something that the Bills didn't do a lot of last year. He can go out and pass, uh, catch passes. So you're essentially killing two birds with one stone, and you think that could be a steal of a pick. But still, I, I just don't know if that's as pressing of a need right now as finding a wide receiver or going back to our earlier discussion, a middle linebacker. I, I, okay, yeah. I'm bagging what you're raking, okay. <laughs> okay, so... To finish up this uh, discussion here, I should really switch that to OT. But either way, I mean, maybe even offensive line in general, because I guess that's a good question, too. Could the Bills draft a guard, in your opinion? Or do you think that because of the patchwork, is it just an offensive tackle that they draft? Um, I think offensive tackle is definitely a need, but not for the reasons you would think. Uh, I, I know everybody knows. I think it's common. Spencer Brown was real hurt last year. Wasn't even supposed to pay. Didn't want to play into the fourth game. Um, this offseason, definitely got some surgery done. Um, hopefully he gets right. But talk about just raw, one, athleticism, two. You haven't seen that amount of nasty. That if you touch Josh, you die type of mental framework since Rinchy Incognito. You thought you were getting that with Cody Ford, and I think maybe he got a little, a little spooked out based on that penalty he incurred in Houston. That kind of, kind of burned us. But you don't have that tenacity, that like, this is our house. This is, uh, these are our trenches. Like Spencer brings to the game, and I think he gets undue criticism because that is our all-day starting right tackle, and I couldn't be happier about that. Guy's six ten, and he moves like that, and he wants to be there. There's no question. I mean, there was some questions about Deion Dawkins fitness post COVID. He struggled with that, everything like that. But I think we could draft a right tackle just for a base of continuity. Um, Mitch is getting older. I know they moved Alec Anderson to center, um, but you're also getting Tommy Doyle back uh, who, who we were very excited about. Um, he's coming off an ACL surgery. Um, Alec Anderson, great guy. Random Ryan Vandermark is there and we're not even touching on it. Um, so I think the interior offense line is very much uh, up for debate. Very much up for debate, but I, uh, I absolutely, I love Spencer Brown as our starting right tackle. Don't think that ever moves, um, but I do think they're you have to draft your continuity well because maybe, I, and I think this very much, you got to be as good as possible for as long as possible, and you can't do that unless your depth chart is set where you're comfortable getting in the muck with that second tier player. And that's certainly something that can be built. <laughs> got it. <laughs> Bless you. So, okay, so you're very confident on Spencer Brown. And yeah, John, that is correct. He did have a back problem. I do believe he got aren't surgery. Confident, but say it again. I was just reading the comments. Spencer had a back problem. That is completely correct. Um, yeah, I believe that was addressed in the offseason. 
So, yeah, I mean, there are a lot of fans who aren't confident in Spencer Brown. And maybe there are some fans like you who are very confident. But I'm trying to be right in the middle and say, you know what? I'm going to give Spencer the, the benefit of the doubt and say, yeah, he was battling through injuries last year. He's still very young. And he plays with that nasty, like you said. And I think he still is this team's starting right tackle. But at the same time, I think you want to give someone who can give him more competition than David Questenberry. So that's why I'm not one of these people that's saying, oh, go get Darnell Wright at pick 27. We need a first-round right tackle. No, I mean, that that would be – I don't want to say a bad decision, but it would be a poor allocation of resources. If you just spent a high draft pick on Spencer Brown a few years ago, you're already going to give up on him and take another right tackle who – let's just stay with Darnell Wright here. He had that exchange of messages where he was bad-mouthing the scout on there. So, I mean, that doesn't scream McDermott culture here. So I just think that taking a right tackle in the first round would be a bit of a reach. But that's why I I think going going back to my trade offer here, if you get those extra picks from Seattle or just any team that you trade with, that's where I think there is value, where if you could get someone like a Tyler Steen or a Nick Saldaveri, if he's still there, or maybe Carter Warren, Warren McClendon later on, then that would be perfect where you have the assets, you have the flexibility, and you say, you know what? A guy like Nick Saldaveri can play all five positions. So maybe Spencer Brown wins the job, but you can move him to left tackle if Deion Dawkins gets hurt. Or if we need a plug-and-play guy on the interior, maybe we can put Saldaveri there. I don't think you're wrong, brother. Hey, man, it was it was great, great being on this thing. I don't want to take too much time with Bryce, but uh, love the article. If you guys haven't checked it out, Kev kind of kills it. So uh, certainly nice <laughs> to be on. Sons of Erie all day. Uh, let's do this again sometime, man. Yeah. I hope this is not the only time, so I definitely plan on doing this again. Thank you again for sponsoring tonight's show. Again, check Sons of Erie out on their Instagram. And also, Jeff, while I have you, if they want one of these sweatshirts, how can they get them? Probably, it'd probably be easier to make them themselves than uh, actually rely on me to ship them to you. So. I'm, I'm kidding. Hit us up on Instagram. I used to think it was a Chicago. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I used to no, think no. it was a Chicago White Sox. Yeah, it, it can, it can uh, do that for you. So good talking to you, yeah, buddy. It's, it's uh, Sons of Air. All right. <laughs> Look at that. That was his own version of a mic drop. Appreciate you for coming on. And I'm going to bring Bryce on here. I'm going to go through the comments here, make sure we didn't miss anything. Bryce, let me know when you are ready. So, uh, Jeff, we'll be talking to you later. Thanks again. And Bryce is ready to come on. So, all right, Bryce. We are an hour and 17 minutes into this show. So now the floor is yours as we are going to be talking about, oddly enough, some right tackle prospects that you were highlighting in your articles throughout the last week here. And that's a nice segue from our conversation with Jeff because we might as well just get right into it. How do you see that position taking hold here for the Bills? Like, Do you find this as a spot that the bills need to upgrade or are you more on the lines of jeff where it's like you know what spencer brown just needs some more time and he needs to get healthy and he is this team starting right tackle of the future you know i'm not sure that buffalo is in a position where they uh you know can take the time to make sure or 
you know, to see if Spencer Brown can develop because he's already going to his third season and we already know, you know, what he's done for us in the past two years, which honestly, he was ranked one of the last right tackles in the NFL last year. So you can blame that on his uh, back injury that he had, uh, you know, during uh, training camp last year, or you can blame it on just production alone, but I'm not willing to wait to one or two or whatever years it'll be for him to actually grow and develop when we're trying to win a Super Bowl right now. So looking at your article here, you you have some guys listed who are probably going very early in the draft. So going off of your last comment there, do you think that this is a position where, you know, I was just saying, I don't think that it would be the best idea to take a right tackle in the first round. I saw a trade. I can't remember who proposed this, but they might've been sporting news, but they came out with their seven round mock draft and said that the bills are going to trade up to 20 to get Peter Skaronsky. And yeah, I mean, he's great, arguably the best lineman in this draft, but if you're going to trade up, I don't know. This isn't the year to be trading up when you only have six draft picks, especially for an offensive lineman. When if the bills really are high on Spencer Brown, like personally for me, that's why I think you draft one later on throughout the draft. But why don't you tell us about some of these guys? Cause you, you talked about Peter Skaronsky and Darnell Wright and a couple of other guys from Ohio state, which we will get to. Yeah. So let's start off with uh, Peter Skaronsky. He's a big six, four, 313 pound offensive tackle can play both inside and outside. Uh, he started as a center. Uh, early on in his collegiate career, moved to right tackle when they had a guy opt out. Um, but he has, like I said, he does have the ability to move to guard if needed. And if, you know, Spencer Brown does improve and looks like our future at right tackle, then, you know, he can be, he can slide into right guard for when Connor McGovern uh, leaves. Sorry, you cut out a little bit on, on uh, my end. Can you just uh, say that last part again? If you're saying he could slide in to yeah, the inside slide potentially into, and play guard? Yeah, if you know Spencer Brown does improve and looks like our future at right tackle, then you know we can move him into right guard maybe uh, for when Connor McGovern leaves. Now, do you think that that is really – in the cards here for Peter Skronsky? Cause they're saying that he is arguably the best tackle in this draft. And if he is really that good, are you going to want to move him? And I know you said that he's big and side, but if he's that big, I, I would think that you would want to leave him on the outside where he is most successful. Yeah, I would say you would leave him, uh, you know, where he has the most success, but you know, it all comes down to how athletic he looks come training camp in preseason. If, He's not as athletic as you hoped he would be, you know, in in his pro day or scouting combine, whatever. It might be better to move him inside, but like you said, he he is probably the best offensive tackle in this draft. Now l- let's switch over to, you know, <laughs> I forgot to take this banner off. There we go. OT prospects. There we go. Um, Let's switch over to Darnell right now because you also listed him as having the ability to play either inside or outside on the line. 
but they're saying that he is mainly going to be a starting right tackle in the NFL. So tell us about Darnell Wright and why he could potentially be in play for the Bills at 27. Yeah, so he's uh, fantastic in pass protection. Probably the best I've seen out of any of the tackle prospects this year. The only issue that I have with him is his run blocking ability, which, you know, Buffalo doesn't run that much, so it might not be a huge issue uh, for the Bills. But, um, you know, he's another guy that can play both inside and outside. He made 42 starts uh, in his collegiate career, 27 at right tackle, 13 at left tackle, and two at right guard. So he can play both offensive tackle positions and, you know, plan for the future when Deion Dawkins uh, does maybe leave in free agency or just retired completely because I know he is getting up there in age. Now, something that I mentioned just a few minutes ago where he had that message where he used a poor choice of words in regards yeah. to, I can't remember who exactly it was that he sent it to, but based on that, small sample size, but you immediately say, ooh, does this guy have some character issues? Do you think that could hold the Bills back and say, you know what, this isn't the guy to pick here. We can find more value later on in the draft, maybe on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, going off of Brandon Bean's recent history, I could see where he might pass on uh, Darnell Wright for his character character issues, even though it is a small sample size. But if it was me and I was a GM, I you still have to take him. He's probably the best, <clears throat> excuse me, the best uh, pass protector I've seen in this class. Yeah, and, and again, it's a small sample size, so there are a lot of things. Like, remember, Josh Allen had to take some tweets down before he got drafted, and Josh Allen's a great dude. So that d one tweet doesn't mean that he's a terrible person, but, you know, it's definitely something to consider and something that the Bills would say, oh, you know what, if he did this now, maybe there are some other tweets or other messages that when he was younger and more immature that, that we're going to want to look into before we select this guy potentially. Yeah, and he did uh, go back later and apologize publicly and to that uh, Bengal scout privately. All right, now moving on, two guys from Ohio State here. Now, they're probably going to be drafted relatively high in Dewan Jones and Paris Johnson Jr. So what do, you, what do you like about these two guys here? Yeah, so let's start off with uh, Dewan Jones. He's a huge offensive lineman, 6'8", 374, has a, a rare length that you don't see too much out of uh, NFL prospects, but he is uh, limited athletically. He would be, if the Bills do decide to get their run game going, he would be a great player to help build up that offensive line just to do that. Uh, he although he does need improvement as a pass protector. Yeah, so, I mean, man, 6'8", 374 pounds. It seems like he is a mountain. but Yeah, he is. That, yeah, but when you do that, I mean, sometimes when a guy is that big, he gets lazy because he just assumes, oh, I can outsize anyone and I can outmuscle anyone, so I don't have to have the same technique 
that I would if I were 325 pounds. So, I mean, that could be another area where you might want to do some extra research there because on the surface, it's like, wow, this guy is a mountain. You can't move him. But then it's like, hmm, but how does he either use that to his ability or to his advantage or disadvantage? Yeah, and uh, I think a perfect example of what you uh, just said is Mikai Becton, who, you know, for the first few years he was in the league, he was this huge mountain, great player, great prospect, but he kept getting injured year after year after year. And, you know, there was some instances where he did take plays off. Now, I'm not saying that's going to be the same case with Dewan Jones, but, you know, that's just a another example of uh, – you know, another big lineman. And another thing is that when guys are that big, you're probably more prone to get injured where maybe you're going to have some soft tissue injuries or he's going to pull his hamstring a lot. Like look at a guy like Jordan Phillips, who is a big defensive tackle, but he couldn't stay healthy last year. So if you're 375 pounds, I'm not too sure about this guy's injury history, but it just seems like, he could potentially be on and off the field a lot dealing with a range of injuries. Yeah. I mean, it's always a possibility with uh, someone that big and, you know, carrying that much weight. Mackay Becton's another example, but if he can lose, I don't know, maybe 10, 20 pounds, I think you do have a great offensive tackle there. Now, moving over to the other tackle from Ohio State. So, Paris Johnson, he was a left tackle, correct? Because Dewan Jones was playing on the right side? Yeah, left tackle. So, what do you like about Paris Johnson here? Because he might have a little bit more flexibility and athleticism under his belt. Yeah, a lot more uh, flexibility than Dewan Jones. He can line up a guard and tackle. He does have that flexibility, but he probably does line up best at left tackle, which again, you know, you already have Deion Dawkins there. So that might steer Buffalo away from taking him because, you know, you probably don't want to take a first round tackle just to set him for a few years while you wait for Deion Dawkins to retire. But he does have except, exceptional range in the run game, which uh, would help the Bills if they decide to plug and play him now uh, to get that run game going. Yeah, and, you know, going off of that point here, if they were to draft Paris Johnson, who is a left tackle, you know, I, I just made the point that if you get Darnell right, that could be a poor allocation of resources depending on the value that they have on Spencer Brown and what they think about him moving forward. But it would be even way worse of a poor allocation of resources if you get a guy like Paris Johnson, who is probably just going to play left tackle when this team needs a starting right tackle. So I would definitely have... Darnell Wright over Paris Johnson. So I, I, I don't even think this guy's on my board for me. Yeah, I wouldn't put him on my board, you know, again, unless they want to build for a future. But uh, like I said at the start, as soon as I got on, you're trying to win now and you're trying to draft players that can help you do that and bring a Super Bowl to Buffalo this year, not, you know, five years or seven years down the road. You want to you know, find players that can do it now. <clears throat> so that's that's why Paris Johnson probably isn't on my draft board, uh, just like you said. 
Now, the last one that you have on your list here is Matthew Bergeron from Syracuse. And this is a guy who I've seen a lot of people on Twitter and just analysts in general talking about him potentially going to the Bills. And I think they had a scout out there to watch him. And he has a flexibility to play both tackle and guard and has starting experience at both tackle spots. So he emerged as Syracuse's starting right tackle during the back half of his freshman year. And then he played there the front half of his sophomore year but then finished the rest of his college career as a left tackle. So again, this guy has flexibility, but maybe not as much of a right tackle as you would want. And they're saying that pass blocking is a reason for concern as he has modest functional strength. And that's according to Joe Marino. So, I mean, he seems like more of a project here. I think he's still an intriguing prospect, but what do you think about Matthew Bergeron? Yeah, so if, you know, uh, Brandon Bean does think the same as you and he is a prospect, it might be better to take him knowing that Spencer Brown's going to be your starter for this year and next year and let him uh, finish out his rookie deal. Then you see uh, what you got with Matthew Bergeron if you like him more than Spencer Brown. But it might be better to line him up inside uh, due to his limited footwork and his range at right tackle. Well, you mentioned the inside. L- let me flip it to the inside now. Do you think that the Bills are in line to draft a guard? Or based on what they did in free agency, are we just looking at right tackles here and maybe potentially left tackles? You know, I, I, I'm seeing some people in the comments here. I'll pull up John's comment. He's saying left tackle is getting older, talking about Deion Dawkins, and his contract is up in a year. And you don't know that Paris can't play other spots, but we had one of the worst offensive lines in the league last year. So as much as we're talking about right tackle, personally for me, I just don't see them drafting another guard right now or a left tackle. Now, I will say if they do a trade like I proposed with the Seahawks and you get some more flexibility, you get those extra picks you can play around a little bit and maybe that's where you draft someone like an Andrew Voorhees or just a guard in general, or maybe you want to get a center, maybe someone who could take over from Mitch Morse eventually, or like John says, I understand where he's coming from. I think Deion Dawkins is starting left tackle for more than just a couple of years. So that's why I don't have him or that's why I don't have a left tackle on my board. But if the bills have more than six draft picks, they get some of that flexibility. I like, I understand where people like John are coming from here where The offensive line wasn't good last year, and you're trying to do everything you can to protect Josh Allen. So do you see other positions being on the board using that best player available method? Or is this basically just a right tackle draft and the Bills have so many other needs that you really don't have time to be looking for another guard or a left tackle? Now, I do have a couple things to say about that. I I don't think Buffalo takes, you know, only – guard I think you know they take a guard slash tackle you know someone with that versatility like they have in years past with uh you know Cody Ford and Deion Dawkins I think might have lined up inside his rookie year too before he found a home at left tackle uh going back to John's point there uh you know about not knowing if Paris Campbell can play other spots or not he can play a uh, guard. He does have that flexibility. So maybe if they do draft him, you can line him up inside, you know, spot start him there if needed while you wait for Deion Dawkins to, you know, 
either leave or retire, whatever it is. But for what we know, did he ever play right tackle in college? Paris, no, he didn't. Yeah, because so, like you said, Dewan Jones was there. Yeah, and, and like John says, like yeah, may, maybe you can move him over, but we're not in that phase right now where it's like, oh yeah, we, take all the time you want to develop him, and whenever you're ready, you know, it's like no, we we need someone right now because if we're trying to win the Super Bowl, we don't have time to be developing these guys. I mean, taking a look at the middle linebacker position. We talked about that earlier on the show. How much time do you really want to take to develop a guy like Drew Sanders or Trenton Simpson? And maybe Jack Campbell's a guy where you can just plug him in immediately. So that's another reason why I just don't see a left tackle who has versatility being on the table because it's like I just don't know if he's going to be up to speed if Spencer Brown comes out and he's playing really poor over the first two weeks and David Questenberry can't hold the fort down. And then you're left with a guy like Paris Johnson, who maybe hasn't played right tackle since high school, and say, oh, well, now you're tasked with protecting Josh Allen. So that's where I'm coming from at that, where I want someone who can come in day one and be ready, and that's kind of hard to find. And, you know, I, as much as I was talking about Tyler Steen from Alabama, that's another example. He's played a little bit more of left tackle than right tackle. So – I don't know if he is exactly the, the best pick for the Bills either, although I do think that he has a little bit more versatility. But someone that I really like is Nick Saldaveri. Do you know anything about him? Because I want to ask you about some of the tackles that I highlighted during my article um, before we get into the defensive tackles here. Are there any guys that you like in the later rounds? Because a lot of the guys that we talked about here are rounds one, two, and three picks. Uh, I can't say I have, you know, done too much research on Nick Salivary. Well, they're saying that he is a very versatile offensive lineman where he played right tackle, but they're projecting him to switch to the inside. I mean, that's some people. Some people are projecting him to switch to the inside. Some people are saying, no, play him at right tackle. And other people say, no, he's just a swingman. Like, play him wherever you need him to. If you want him to play center, he can. If you want him to go out to left tackle, he can. So that could be like a, the next Ryan Bates where I would have to double try. I think it was Jim Nagy who said he was supposed to be a Saturday pick, but based on how he's tested and how he's done over the last couple of months, he is rising the charts. And we're looking at a potential third or fourth round pick here. So as much as I was saying that the, the bills could potentially take him at 123, I mean, he might even be gone by then, but if he is there, then I think this is a very intriguing prospect for the bills, just given his versatility and athleticism and the fact that he's coming from old dominion. So, you know, he's going to have that chip on his shoulder. Yeah. I do like your point there about Ryan Bates too, because, you know, they traded for him during his rookie year back in 2019 and he, he did have that versatility where he could play anywhere on the offensive line. And going back to my point earlier about uh, Buffalo drafting versatility with Cody Ford playing both tackle and guard, I think, you know, that is a very good possibility that Buffalo does take someone that can play multiple positions and not just, you know, tackle or not just guard. All right. I think we'll cap it off right there. 
with the offensive tackle prospects. And I want to switch over to the defensive tackle prospects here. we got about 20 minutes left in the show, give or take, maybe 25. I mean, there's no set time, but try to wrap this up in uh, two hours here. So going over to your article about defensive tackles, who do you like here for the Bills? I mean, I, I talked about a couple of guys that I really like, and you have a couple of guys that I haven't talked about yet, starting with uh, Brian Brisset from Clemson. So tell us about this guy, because it seems like he has a lot of upside to him. Yeah, you're right. He does have a lot of upside. He's a big 6'5", 298-pound D-tackle. He can play both two and three tech in the league and possibly be at Oliver's replacement if they decide to trade him this year or just uh, you know, let him walk in free agency. He's an athletic D-tackle that won't stop till he gets in the backfield. Um, nice run-stopping D-tackle, but he's averaging pass rush. Only nine sacks in three seasons for him. Yeah, so this is a guy, I mean, he's dealt with a lot of on and off the field situations um i know doc thigh doc wrote an article if you haven't checked that out head over to our website and hear about what he's had to deal with because not only has he had some injuries but he also had the death of his sister and a problem with his kidney as well so they're saying that he should still be a first round talent but there's definitely some stipulations here with brian brusset and I think he's going to be a nice player. And again, talking about those guys that have the chip on their shoulder, I think he's going to come hungry saying, you know what? I've dealt with a lot. And I'm going to use that to fuel me. And I've seen a lot of teams or a lot of mock drafts where he's projected to go to New Orleans that I believe 29th. Do you think that he could be in play for the Bills at 27? Like, Would you like him enough to be a first-round defensive tackle for the Bills? Uh, I don't know if I like him enough because there's other D tackles I like in the first round of Buffalo to go at that position uh, at 27. But, you know, maybe uh, second or third round, if he's still available there, that would be a great pick. <clears throat> Excuse me, great pick. Well, some guys that I like in the second round. Now, these three are my favorites, and I've already talked about them. So, actually four because – we, we mentioned Gervon Dexter in there as well. So between these four, tell us about Mozzie Smith, Gervon Dexter, Siaka Ika, and Keanu Benton. Yeah, so uh, let's start with Mozzie Smith. Not a great pass rusher. Only had, I think, 23 pressures and half a sack through his whole collegiate career. So he might be best as a run stuffer or – you know, basically what Starla Tule was for Buffalo, but much cheaper, which was taking up blockers to free up his teammates to get into the backfield. I'm not super high on him as a pass rusher, like I said before showing his stats, but, you know, if they decide they can, you know, deal with deal with all those issues and work on what he can do, I, I'd be fine with it in the third round. Yeah, so Mozzie Smith is one of these guys who I don't really know exactly where he's going. I, I think the sweet spot for him is 
it seems like 35 to 45, somewhere within that range. I've seen where he could be projected in the, the first round. And did you say that maybe he falls to the third? If he, if he does, yeah. I would, Do you really think he would? I would because I, I think he is just too much of a talent where teams are, if anything, I see him getting taken in the first round rather than dropping to the third. Because looking at that video, that surface of him doing that stair workout where it's just like, holy cow, how does a guy this big move that fast? And I know he doesn't have a lot of sacks, but just that strength and athleticism, I think teams are going to be all over that. And I mean, if he's there at 59 for the bills, that would be great. But I I just don't think that he's going to be. And if I were to predict, he's going to get taken somewhere around 40. Yeah, I would say Buffalo probably would you know, rather a pass rush, pass rushing D tackle in this draft, just because, you know, Von Miller is going to miss some time. They're losing some players next year. Uh, you know, they don't have a D tackle under contract next year, like you pointed out earlier. So I think taking someone that can rush a passer uh, would probably be best for Buffalo this year. Now, I mentioned how Mozzie Smith, Siaka Ika, and Keanu Benton only have a combined career 14 sacks benton has the most sacks out of any of those guys so you said in your article benton needs to improve as a pass rusher but he did take some strides in that category last year where he totaled four and a half sacks and 10 tackles for a loss so do you think this could be a guy who is maybe the best of both worlds where he's not going to be a dominant pass rusher but he knows how to get to the quarterback and at the same time, they're describing him as one of the best run-stuffing nose tackles in this draft class. Yeah, I think you can get the best of both worlds there. He's, you know, he's a humongous 6'4", 309-pound D-tackle. That can rush a passer. That can, you know, eat up blockers and can, uh, you know, get into the backfield and stop the run. I, I think out of all those was it three or four that you listed? He's probably the best one for Buffalo. So, okay. So out of those guys, are you thinking Benton's the one? Because I think I'm going with Ika. Because again, I said this earlier, you had this in your article. Ika has quote, uncommon athleticism for his size and raw strength that he uses to his advantage. So he doesn't have a lot of sacks. I think what last year, yeah, he didn't tally a sack last year and had he only had two tackles for a loss. In 2021, he had three and a half sacks and six tackles for a loss. So the numbers really aren't there. But if he has quote uncommon athleticism for his size and raw strength, I don't know if he can pass up on that, especially when you think about it from the way I phrased it earlier, that he could be the star of the Tulele to the Tremaine Edmonds in terms of Jack Campbell. In what way? Taking up blockers so Edmonds can get into the backfield, you mean? Yeah. I think you can get it from... Uh, I'm sorry, I'm blanking on the player you're talking about. I don't know why. Ika? Yeah, Ika, thank you. I think you can get it from Ika, but you can also get it from maybe some other players in this draft class too, like Keanu Benton where, you know, Benton can eat up blockers, he can rush a passer, and he can uh, stop the run. But I do agree with you there. I think it might be too hard for Buffalo to pass up on 
you know, on his athleticism. Well, I do understand what you're saying, though. I mean, I would definitely not be mad if they take Keanu Benton because I think he is right up there with Siaka Ika. And like you said, based on the numbers, he knows how to get to the quarterback a little bit more, even though these guys have athleticism and, and strength and all these different traits. Based on the stats, it seems like Keanu Benton will give you a little bit more in terms of a pass rush. So one more thing about this guy. Do you think that he will be there at 59 or is this a pick where the bills would maybe have to trade up a little bit? Because I feel like Benton would probably get taken quicker because if there was an order here in terms of those three that I mentioned, I'd say probably Mozzie Smith, then Benton and then Ika. So Ika might be there at 59. Who knows? Maybe he gets taken already, but I feel like Benton, was gonna get is gonna get scooped up a little bit before. So would the Bills have to trade up to get him? Where do you think he goes? Because I have an idea where Benson goes, but I just want to be on the same you know wavelength as you. Because I see him going early third round within the first maybe ten picks or so. Okay, so you have him in the third round. I'm thinking that if Mozzie Smith is maybe in that thirty-five to forty-five range, that Benton is in that forty-five to fifty-five range, followed by Ika. I think D tackles too deep in this class where you might see some players fall that you're going to be surprised about. And Benson could be one of those, one of those guys. All right. And then the last one that you have on your list here is Zach Pickens from South Carolina. We talked about him a little bit last week, but now that you did a little bit more research, um, tell us what there is to know about Pickens. Yeah, hold on. Let me just bring it up real quick because I lost it. Well, while you do that, I'll just say he is another dominant run stuffer, but not dominant enough to the point where he's going to climb up to the first round, second round. He's probably going to be a late day two, early day three pick. So he's dominant to a point. Yeah, he he is a probably one of the best run stuffers in this draft class. And he uses his big 6'4", 291-pound frame to his advantage in that area. Um, You know, like I mentioned in the article, he does have the tools to become a great player on any team, but he has some pass rush uh, flaws. He struggles to get to quarterback if he doesn't initially win at the point of attack. Um, And he only totaled two and a half sacks last season. So his, uh, you know, his production won't show up on the stat sheet, but he can affect the game in other areas as well. Yeah, so I'm wondering if the Bills would want to take a flyer on this guy and say, you know what, there's more value in taking a wide receiver or a tight end. And let's say they go that route and say, all right, linebacker round one, wide receiver round two, tight end round three. If there's a defensive tackle in round four, Maybe it's someone like a Zach Pickens or, as Whittle said earlier, Jacqueline Roy. Yeah, like you said, if they do want to, you know, try their hand again at uh, two tight end sets and take a, a tight end earlier, I could see where Zach Pickens might come into play round four. But I feel like where the Bills' future stands at D-tackle and not having anyone rostered, uh, Next year, it probably would be best to take D-tackle before tight end. 
All right, well, an hour and 15 minutes into the show here. I want to thank everyone who has been watching along tonight and commenting and, and giving us those super chats. So the last thing I'll say here, Bryce, is I asked Jeff this. I'm going to ask you, how do you put into terms the the positions of need here? Like, if we're going to look at linebacker, defensive tackle, wide receiver, I mean, really, since you talked about offensive tackle, we'll put that in there too. Like, all six positions that we've been talking about here, what do you think is the order? And how would you assess the value of these rounds? Like, is it something where you might say, well, if there's an offensive tackle in round one, Maybe that means you can take a linebacker in round four. If, I mean, we, we haven't even really talked about that yet. That you could potentially get a linebacker in rounds four or five. But I, I think it's just one of those things that you're going to want to take one sooner rather than later. But just how do you see the order of all these positions here? Yeah, I would probably go because you guys listed your top three. I'd probably go linebacker. D tackle and wide receiver. I, I've I haven't been the biggest fan of Gabe Davis, you know, this year on the podcast, which is a complete turnaround from last year. But you know, I do think he can be a good enough wide receiver too. Where you know, if you take someone in you know rounds three or four, it's not going to kill you if you don't take one in round two, one or two. Yeah, let me ask you about that real quick as we as we finish up here. What do you think about a guy like Jonathan Mingo or A.T. Perry where if the Bills like Cedric Tillman or Rasheed Rice, but then they say, you know what, I think there's more value on waiting for a wide receiver later on. Again, you don't want to wait too late because you don't want to just be, ah, eh, we'll find someone at 3 o'clock on Saturday. We'll get an undrafted free agent. Like You want to get someone with some stature. But you got to be careful how you do it based on the value. So are you a Mingo guy? I am a Mingo guy. You know, he fits everything Buffalo is looking for. He has that big, you know, big build that we've been trying to get for years now. Um, You know, he can take Isaiah McKenzie's role that he had in years past where, you know, you kind of use him in uh, jet sweeps and end rounds and, you know, just different plays like that where, Buffalo can maybe bring a different, you know, a different style to this offense that we haven't seen in a couple of years. Yeah, and this is interesting because he has been really rising the charts. And like we were saying with Jeff, is he going to be there at 91? I mean, he might be rising so much that he could get taken before that. Or maybe he's a fourth or a fifth round pick, but I, I think the third round is going to be that spot where Jonathan Mingo gets selected. What do you think about A.T. Perry? Because I've seen some people say that he could potentially go up that high, but then I saw a mock today that has him going in the sixth round. Yeah, I think sixth round might be best for him. Uh, Let me pull up his uh, stats real quick. You know, he is that big six foot five receiver that we've been talking about that we want to get that we've wanted for years now, kind of like Jonathan Mingo, but not as versatile as he is, but he does have that big body where he can go up and get contested catches kind of like uh, Justin Hunter was to Tyrod Taylor that one year 
where you can just throw it in his vicinity and he's going to catch a ball. You there? Did I lose you? I got you now. I think you were just saying that he's that big body receiver, kind of like that Justin Hunter, right? Or you can throw it up to him and he's that red zone threat possession receiver. Yeah. You, excuse me, you throw it in his radius, you know, anywhere around him and he's going to go up and catch a ball, no matter if it's contested or he's wide open. So do you think he's more of a later pick on Saturday? Like is, is the third round pick, giving him way too much uh, of the benefit of the doubt here. Yeah, I would probably put him between rounds four or five, just because, you know, this, the back, back end of this wide receiver class is super deep, you know, with Cedric Tillman, A.T. Perry, and Jonathan Mingo, I think uh, it's going to be hard for all of them to get picked super high. Yeah. And what about Jaden Reed? Are, are you a Jaden Reed guy? I can't say I've done too much research on Jaden Reed, honestly. Okay. Because, again, he is kind of getting that Stefan Diggs comparison. So that is pretty intriguing when you think, oh, as much as we're saying we should get a new and improved version of Gabe Davis, well, what if you just get a younger Stefan Diggs? Yeah, because, you know, having – two, uh, you know, great route running receivers that can go for 150 yards game is perfect for Buffalo. So I think that will wrap it up here for the the show tonight. Um, Had a great talk with Jeff earlier. Good talk here with Bryce and all the comments in between. Now, I will say, again, we are 11 days away from the draft. So it is coming here very, very quickly, and we're going to have more coverage for on Buffalo Fanatics. And next week, I'm going to put this out there right now. I'm planning on giving our full seven-round mock draft. So, Bryce, I'll tell you right now, if you want to, if you want to start making your mock drafts, I know I'm definitely going to do mine, and we're we're going to try to get them up on here for next week's show, because after that, that's pretty much it. Because we'll have next week's show, and then Thursday's the draft. And then obviously Friday and Saturday, and then we will be the first show on Buffalo Fanatics unless we do a live reaction. But following the draft on that Sunday, the 30th, we're going to be the first show that can really break down the full draft and and what the Bills do and how Brandon Bean operates this year. So the next two weeks are going to be very, very interesting, to say the least. Yeah, I'm excited for it. This is the first year in a little while that you you don't know the exact position Buffalo's going to take first round. You know, last year, everyone knew cornerback, even Chiefs. That's why they traded up for Trent McDuffie. Yeah, so that's what makes it so interesting. And that, that's why I can't wait yeah. because, you know, last year, as, as exciting as it was to say, oh, we're only a cornerback away and we got Von Miller now. And we're coming off of that 13 seconds game and we can hang with Kansas city. And then you have the letdown that you had this year. Now you're singing a different tune where it's like, Oh, we have to put our hard hats on and really go to work here because 
there's more work that needs to be done than last year. Oh, uh, yeah, that that will do it for tonight's show. Thank you again, Bryce, for coming on with me. Another shout out to Jeff for coming on and for sponsoring the show with Sons of Erie, as you can see in the top right corner there. And again, thank you guys for commenting and for all the super chats as we will be back same time, same place next Sunday night to get you ready for the NFL draft. For Bryce Martino to my right, this is Kevin Syracuse with Buffalo Fanatics. And the only thing I have to say is go Bills. Go Bills. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.